Five minutes past seven o'clock. You hear that music, you know what's about to go down. It's Iron Sports. You're on 95.9, the true oldies channel. I'm Mike Balsamo here as well. And Ira, it's that time of year. Got the, the national championship game tonight. We've got a really good look at the playoff picture now after a very strange weekend, but great time to be a sports fan, especially if you like the pigskin. Oh, I mean, I am pumped for tonight's game. Clemson, Alabama, the two top teams over the last five years, uh, the two best teams this year, uh, two of the, the picks that are going to be in the best quarterbacks, I mean, the top quarterbacks the next two years. They have, I think eight of the top 30 people in the draft. Uh, great game tonight. And the playoffs were tremendous <laughs> this weekend. Yeah, they were. And a lot of people feel that this upcoming weekend is the best weekend in sports. You got two games on Saturday, two on Sunday. Now you have the wild card stuff is all out. Now you have the best uh, eight teams left in playing football, and you get to, you get two games on Saturday, two on Sunday. Wow! When it comes to talking about NFL football, nobody we're going to have on this show that knows more than Andrew Catalan, your CBS play-by-play announcer. He's going to join us at seven twenty here on Iron Sports. We can look forward to just exactly what he thinks is going to happen uh, this upcoming weekend. Um, we're going to talk about where you were, and you've been a very college-centric, uh, you know, past couple of days. Before we do that, though, I, you know, I'm seeing a lot come out now. A lot of people that were in favor of ex- extending the the playoff, uh, the college playoff, to eight teams or ten teams, whatever it is. I see a lot of people going back on that now. Yeah, after seeing, you know, UCF lost, and, and you know, we saw a blowout in one of the, in, you know, in the Notre Dame game. So, looking around, like, man, I don't know. What do you think? Are you still in favor of expansion? I'm starting to look at like, you know, we got the two best teams, and that's what it should be. Well, you have the two best teams. I still think. If we expanded to eight, I think it'd still be fantastic. And playing on college campuses, I think it's hard for these teams to keep flying around to go to different bowls. But I think if the first rounds were on college campuses, as much as it'd be, I think it'd be still tremendous. So I'd like to, it to go to eight. But uh, as, as Nick Saban said, they're, the conference championship games act as almost like a playoff game because when Alabama played Georgia, the loser of that game, Georgia's out. And when I felt Lakes should be in. So the point is, is that it is, I, I agree with you. I think people now, because you have the two teams that everyone expected, if Notre Dame was in this final against mm-hmm. Alabama, people are like, well, it's not really whatever, but they, they have the, what they wanted. We have this great game tonight. So I think they're happy with it. So for, I guess, but they are still, the big 10 is unhappy. They haven't had for two years. They're a team in the cultural playoffs. You have a lot of conferences and a lot of sections of the country that, Look at this game is being played in San Francisco tonight. Mm-hmm. The average to the tick walk in ticket is almost a hundred dollars to get into a game. Now, if it, when it, if it was in Atlanta, it'd be like two thousand to get in. Of course. So the reason is because there's no interest in the West because none of the Pac-12 teams get in this ever again. So um, that's some of the problems is that you want to have if you have more people in the playoff, there'll be more interest in the playoff. You are absolutely correct. Speaking of interest. The soap opera that is the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll talk about them in just a second. I didn't, I didn't think you were going to come for the show today. <laughs> What's been going on this uh, past week? Uh, tell us about where you've been, though. Um, you know, Like I said, you took in a lot of college. Yeah, I was at the Citrus Bowl in Orlando and for the Penn State-Kentucky game. And I was at the national semifinal Orange Bowl between Alabama and Oklahoma. Did uh, how'd that go as far as I mean, I know you've attended a lot of these in the past, haven't you? So it wasn't really a surprise. Um, well, I love going to bowl games. I think bowl games are absolutely uh, tremendous to go to. And they're a lot of fun. And especially the Penn State game, because I've been to I think it's been like 16 different bowl games with Penn State. <laughs> and you go to the pep rally before the game, um, uh, tailgates before the game. It's great to see the passion and excitement of the fans. So I really enjoyed those. Let's talk about it. Um, the Steelers. We were talking before we went on air, Ira. You know, and the, the Steelers have been a relevant team in this league for 40 years. And I, don't, I can't 
ever remember a Steelers team being like this. You see this from some franchises. The Dallas Cowboys will have prima donnas throughout their, you know, throughout their years. It's not typical for the Steelers. And here we are with Antonio Brown requesting a trade. Did he not request a trade? Nobody knows what's going on in that locker room, but I think everyone wants to know what's going on. So tell us a little bit about uh, you know, your takes on the Steelers and Antonio Brown. Well, I was supposed to be this weekend. I was planning to be at a game. When I looked at the Raven-Charger game, that should have been Chargers at Steelers. And when you saw how the Chargers played in that game, you're like, why? I mean, the Steelers should be in this playoffs. The Steelers should be going to New England this weekend playing in a game. And their inability to uh, – but the Antonio Brown saga is emblematic of the whole problem the Steelers had this year, the lack of focus. Uh, if the Steelers – the Steelers would have had a first-round uh, bye if all they did was tie Cleveland – and not, not tied to even beat Cleveland, which they tied, and beat Oakland. Mm-hmm. That was it. Yeah. And that's not saying they have to beat everyone else. But, I mean, in a, in a year that 12-4 and four gets you the top seed, uh, the Steelers, and with a talent they had, with an people forget, their offensive line is considered the best in the NFL. They have a Hall of Fame quarterback who's played at 5,000 yards passing. They have a great running game. They have the two best wide receivers in football. Uh, they have a defense that was poor in the beginning but actually improved at the end. To not even make the playoffs... Yeah. Disaster. It'd be one of those things. It's like if you were playing Madden on your Xbox and you just simmed all the games, they're going to be a 12 and 4 team every year with the personnel. You know, you had some. Um had some words about Mike Tomlin. I'm sure you still feel exactly the same way. And now that the locker room is getting out of his reach even more, I'm surprised that there's not even any talks of maybe replacing Mike Tomlin. There's still no talks about him. But the Antonio Brown problem was it started it started a couple years ago when he got the big contract. And people and Ryan Clark said you've created a monster Ryan by Clark's. doing that. And anyone who follows the Steelers knows that when he doesn't get the ball, he pouts, he causes scenes. But over in the last few years, in 2018, he led the league with targets with the 11 targets a game. In 2017, he had 163 targets. In 19, in 2016, he was fifth in the league, uh, averaging 9.6 targets again. In 2015 and 2014, he was one and two in targets. So he's the highest paid wide receiver in football. He is the most targeted over five years wide receiver football, and yet he's still upset. <laughs> he's still I mean, and... One of the things that started this year that was mad was in training camp. I went to training camp twice. He missed a lot of training camp for different injuries and just was not around. And that's why he got off to a slow start when the season started. And that's one of the reasons the Steelers lost to the Browns in the first, or tied with the Browns the first game of the season. But what happened in this was when the Steelers now, they have this practice of naming your MVP before the season's out. Now, why in the world Very would weird. they name their MVP? You wait till the season's over, then you name the MVP. And when they saw the votes were in, and it's Juju Smith-Schuster as the MVP, someone should have said, Antonio Brown's going to be upset about this. Maybe yes. we don't release the results. I mean, this is not the presidential election. It's not Congress, not Senate. I, they, they don't have to release the results <laughs> of the election. Like when they realize you're going to upset your star player. So he didn't like the fact that he wasn't the MVP, that Juju Smith-Schuster was the MVP of the team. So on Wednesday, he had uh, got into Now there's a question whether he threw the ball at Ben or Ben threw the ball at him or they're running a route and he got really mad. So Thursday, he came in, said he was not feeling well, didn't want to practice and Tomlin said that's fine sit out practice on Thursday Friday the same thing I'm my I, I, my hamstring hurts I my knee, his knee his knee hurt he didn't want to practice and then Tomlin said on Friday go get an MRI be ready for to Saturday mm-hmm. well you would expect it's not like he has to go call a doctor for an MRI like call him up try to schedule it in <laughs> they are they practice a facility where there's probably like 30 MRI machines right where they practice like it's not hard for him to schedule mm-hmm. an MRI but he chose to go home not call, have an MRI well then he was totally incommunicate not 
provided communication with anybody with the Steelers. Friday afternoon, Friday night, all day Saturday. Tomlin's calling him. Ben's calling him. All the Steelers are calling him. People are going to his house. No one knows where he is and no one's talking to him. Sunday morning comes. Drew Rosenhaus, his agent calls. <laughs> now, let's just analyze this. If you're talking about, say, third grade basketball, and you had a third grade basketball game, and one of your players did not show up for a couple, for, you didn't know where it was, for like, practices or whatever, and then his father calls, I think that a lot of coaches would say, Johnny, don't put your father on the phone. So daddy goes, I'll talk to Johnny directly. I'm not mm-hmm. talking to the father. But Drew Rosenhaus is calling the agent. The agent is calling Tomlin to tell him he's ready to play. Oh, that's so great. You're ready to Good play. Time. Tomlin informs him, well, not really. We have a walkthrough on Saturday. He hasn't practiced Thursday or Friday. He didn't take his MRI. So he can, we want him to come up. We want him to show up. And then I'll talk to him, but he's not playing. So Antonio Brown comes to the game, talks to Tomlin before the game, where this fur coat on the sidelines and decides he's going to leave at halftime. Baby, beat the traffic. So <laughs> and that. So then that goes on, and then Tomlin has to do a press conference about what happened. Clearly, his players say he was healthy. He was so injured he didn't get the MRI. And then he goes on and does on Wednesday night goes on this show called The Mass Singer, and he's dressed as a hippo <laughs> and sings "My Prerogative" from Bobby Brown and sings the song, and everyone's all excited about that. And like I don't know where he when he taped it or when it was practiced for it or when that was out, but it's like come, he was not focused on being. For the game, he's focused on his singing. And and I think this gets to what the whole Lavian Bell, Bell issue was too. We're getting in a time when these players nationally are very famous. Everybody knows who Antonio Brown is. They have him in their fantasy team. He's popular. He And so is Lavian Bell. But in Pittsburgh, they like the team. The team is first over the player. And it's a little bit different than basketball. And whereas Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell think that they're popular because their Twitter followers are saying, this is great. We stand by you. Everything's great. But the Steeler fans are like, no. I mean, we invested time and money. I went to 12 of the 16 Steeler games this year. People invested their, they buy all the terrible towels and shirts. They want to watch their team. They don't care about your individual problem. And neither does the team too. So it didn't really help with this team. So, I mean, that's the idea where I don't think Antonio Brown's going to be bad next year well yeah but i've been like hearing all these different scenarios of what could happen he's kind of stuck there right i mean unless they find the willing trade partner but don't they have to wait till june 1st and then that something happens with his contract where they're not all hung up on it well they might tra- he's owed 22 million they're um there he's he's owed 22 million dollars and this year and then also 918 and 19 million which is very unusual when Le'Veon Bell was holding out he was holding out because he wasn't didn't have a contract so as i said Antonio Brown is the most targeted wide receiver maybe in the history of the NFL and he is the highest paid so you would think that he'd be happy here because what teams he going to go to that a quarterback's going to throw 13 14 times a game to mm-hmm. i mean even Julio Jones and we're going to name uh, Hopkins at Houston do he do they throw the ball that many times nobody throws like they do to Antonio Brown and Ben makes sure now he might and he might have a problem with Ben and might not like Ben but a lot of people don't get along with each other's on teams they still show up for the games they still play in the games in a must win game that they needed to have him there and it was just unbelievable but I there is if Ben restructures his contract and they use the Lavian Bell money actually that that was booked the way they do it's like an accounting situation mm-hmm. they're 
possibly able to trade him for a bunch of draft picks. It's going to be a little unusual to do, but there is a way if Ben restructures his contract and use Le'Veon Bell's money. Supposedly, San Francisco's super interested. Uh, you know, and who knows? That's a place I could see him playing in a, in a California city. A t- team like that, too, where he's going to be the face of the franchise immediately, which he would be most, most teams, but you can't expect to get traded to the um, Jets and still have that kind of cloud. It's still New York. There's other people around, and also they don't throw the ball, like you said. You're not going to get... Nobody a- throws the ball like the yeah. Steelers. Any any team, I, I don't, I can't imagine another team that's going to throw. I mean, and that's one of the thing problems Ben had. Ben was forcing the ball to him many plays. A lot of times, if he didn't get the ball the first couple of possessions, they would actually run little bubble screens for him. They really try to get him the ball. He's been on my fantasy team the last two years. I've won the title the last two years, so I've watched him every single time. And whenever he's had a slow start to a game, I know that they. And he is a great player. He's tremendous. He's amazing. But but this attitude and the problem he's not bigger than the team no and and as a wide receiver he's not I mean besides Tom Brady it's hard to think of another player that's or Aaron Rodgers but he can't do what he did and the Steeler fans have turned on him and at first I said there's no way they're going to trade him but now the more you see about the more you hear I think the Steelers and the Steelers do not want to they don't want to be the Kardashians Jesse James says we are the Kardashians I don't think the Steelers have any desire to be considered as Kardashians if you went through the last 20 years of the Steelers you can't name hardly any players Jerome Bettis Mm -hmm. Jerome Bettis was like the us. He's lovable, whatever. Rod Woodson, Heinz Ward, but not a lot of names. I mean, it's like, that's what the Steelers are. They are not, I mean, they almost traded Ben after his incidents. They were going to get rid of Ben. So mm. they don't really want drama on this team. And now they are the most drama team. I mean, by the way, you're listening to Iron Sports, True Oldies Channel of Andrew Catalan, CBS play-by-play announcer on in just about a minute or two uh, here on Iron Sports. This is like one of those weird situations where he... I haven't heard any backlash yet from the team. You know, Brian Clark's obviously not on the team anymore. They didn't waste t- – well, I guess they did waste a little time, but the offensive line had no problems throwing Le'Veon Bell under the bus, and that's not a common thing in sports. It's a team – I haven't heard anything anything come out saying, you know, Juju's mad at, Anto- at AB or anyone besides Ben and Tomlin. Have you heard any of this? Because I would think that this is a team that holds people accountable. Like you said, it's team first, and he's not that kind of player. I think they're not saying things because they know the season's over. I think it was before. I think they I think they were mad at Lavian because the season wasn't it was still beginning of the season. I do think you're gonna have and also a lot of these players have disappeared now. The season's over, they're gone, they're hard to reach. So they're not it's not easy for the reporters to go hear them talk. I was surprised uh personally that was this was going on and that you heard that Antonio didn't practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday after the great game, or he practiced Wednesday, but not Thursday and Friday or Saturday, after the tremendous game he had against New Orleans, and you didn't hear about any injury. Uh I was surprised that the local Pittsburgh people did not pick up on this story and say, but I think as they said, it's the last game of the season. He's a veteran that Ben set, sits out a lot of games. So you yeah, have a lot of situations. Let's bring in our uh, good friend of the show. It's Andrew Catalan, CBS play-by-play announcer. A- Andrew, welcome back to Iron Sports. We always love to have you. This must have been a, a fun weekend for you. It sure was for us. Some great games. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me back on. Happy New Year to you. And it sure was, I thought, a great slate of games. I liked all the road teams going into the weekend, so I guess that was three out of four, but I think we uh, we had some great games, and I think we have some fantastic matchups coming up this weekend. Can't wait to, to uh, talk to you about all those matchups uh, in just a couple of minutes here on Iron Sports, but first, Andrew, you may have heard, we were kind of just, uh, you know, Ira's a big Steelers fan, and we were talking about the, the soap opera that this team and that locker room has become. What's your thoughts on Antonio Brown, and do you see him in Pittsburgh next year? Yeah, it's pretty ugly, guys. I mean, the, the way that season ended, as, as you know, it was uh, was not pretty. And uh, the, everything that happened in that final week with Antonio Brown, you know, I don't have any inside information there, but to me it seems like that marriage is headed for an end. I, I just don't know 
how after not playing in such a big game, you can come back and recover from that. I mean, obviously you're seeing now the Steelers letting go of some assistant coaches. It seems like change is happening and more of it will continue to happen. And, you know, I think in a situation like that, it might be just best to cut the cord as great of a player as he is. And I think he's one of the best wide receivers in football. Um, it seems like there's a lot of things that are wrong in that situation. And it looks like based on they missed the playoffs and, now letting coaches go, that they're going to continue to make change. So I would not be surprised if you see him elsewhere next year. Andrew, this is Ira. Thanks again, and Happy New Year for coming on, on my show. Um, I, one of the questions is, you see eight coaching vacancies. Uh, everyone's interviewing names. A lot of people don't know these names because they're coordinators. Um, it, does, it used to be like a coach might have a four- or five-year window to do something, and now it looks like they have maybe a one-year window to do something. What do you see? Is there Are there some names that we're not hearing that you – I know you work with these teams and see these teams and talk to a lot of coaches. Is there a name out there that we should be keeping our eye out that when they get a job uh, that they're going to be the, maybe the next Sean McVay, the next superstar in this league? I just saw the news that the, the Packers are going to hire Matt LaFleur, the Titans offensive coordinator, and, and he's exactly what you just mentioned. I mean, he's good friends with Sean McVay, used to coach with him, um, has been around a little bit now with Kyle Shanahan as a quarterback's coach, and this past season with the Titans as an offensive coordinator. I don't think he's a guy that, you know, a lot of people would have, you know, looked down the, the available names and said, oh, yeah, this, you know, Matt LaFleur, of course. I mean, I think that's a, that's a bold move by Green Bay. I did meet with LaFleur earlier this year uh, after a tight, uh, before a Titans game. I was very impressed with him. I think that he is one of these young, bright offensive minds. But, you know, that's obviously a whole different can of worms now, being the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. So I thought that was fascinating. And I, I think you're seeing, you know, a lot of these college coaches now. You know, Matt Rule at Baylor is a guy that, you know, is a lot, someone a lot of people are talking to, especially up here where I am in the Northeast in regards to the Jets job. Um, he was at Temple and trying to resurrect a Baylor program, and, and now you're hearing his name out there uh, with some NFL possibilities. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury seems like he's leaving USC, and he's going to talk to the Arizona Cardinals and maybe the Jets. So I, I think you're, you know, as you said, you're seeing guy, uh, organizations want young offensive minds. I mean, I saw somebody joke, you know, this weekend that you have a better chance of becoming a head coach if you were an offensive quality control coach than a defensive coordinator <laughs> these days. It just seems like you know that's kind of the way football is going with these spread offenses and so many of these quarterbacks coming in you know, from a college situation where they're not used to being under center and, and kind of running that pro-style offense. So I think it's fascinating. I don't think there is any one candidate out there other than Mike McCarthy that you would say is a slam dunk. Uh, so I think that this, this cycle starting today with LaFleur is going to be fascinating. Well, I guess that's a, the next question is that you don't have the, you're not hearing the Bill Cower name. You're not hearing, uh, you know, those type of names that the people that have been out of coaching in a while going back. Um, but is there, uh, is there a, is there a big name college coach? I mean, I'm surprised that like Dabo Sweeney's name's not brought up. I know he's running this, he has an empire in Clemson and is this, but for someone who seems to be running the perfect type of program and is a great play caller, you would think that his name would up. Is there any, I mean, Chip Kelly jumped in and put his hat with the Eagles and the 49ers. Are there, is there any other college coach besides Rule that you might will be surprised to say, wow, they, they took that job? I mean, the, the guy that you always hear is the Stanford coach, David Shaw, but it seems like he's just so happy with his situation that he doesn't want to go anywhere. Brian Kelly's name comes up. Um, I, I heard you know maybe Tampa Bay linked to him, but now it sounds like Bruce Arians is going to be 
uh, the guy that goes down there if you try to follow all the reports that are constantly coming out. So I don't know if there's a surprise head coach that, you know, Greg Schiano was let go today, but I don't think that NFL teams would see him as a head coach. I could see him more as a defensive coordinator or defensive assistant coach. So, Again, there's, there's, you're right. There's not that Bill Cower out there. It the, doesn't sound like you know Jim Harbaugh is leaving Michigan. Um, sounds like John Harbaugh is staying with Baltimore. So I, you know, I think that's why you're seeing these teams already interview so many different guys. I and mean, to me, it's shocking that not only are the teams announcing who they're meeting with, but just the number of candidates that a Miami is meeting with, that the Jets are meeting with, that Cleveland's interviewed. So I think that that's an indication that these organizations don't see the slam dunk hire, and they're going to you know, try to uncover any stone they can to, to see if they can find the next great coach. Well, I guess that leads us into the, the next question, is sort of talking about these games next weekend and sort of covering what games we had this weekend. And, and the one game that... I, you know, I'm hearing a lot of the, the where the upset will be is the Chargers Patriots. Uh, I did not think that the San Diego looked good against Baltimore at all. Uh, I think Baltimore played. I mean, they got that lead, and Baltimore was unable to come back. But how do you break down the Patriots Chargers game uh, in uh, in Foxborough? As I was thinking about coming on with you guys today, I figured you might ask me who who would go to the Super Bowl after after this weekend. And, and right now, I would say the Chargers and the Saints would be my Super Bowl pick down to the divisional weekend. Um, I'm really high on the Chargers. I know they didn't light it up yesterday, but I think you also have to factor in that Baltimore has an excellent defense. And I don't think a lot of defenses, especially New England, can do – to the Chargers, what the Ravens did. I, I think that is now they're getting Hunter Henry back, who's a very talented tight end. He's been hurt all year. They, they added him to the roster today. Uh, that's another weapon for Phillip Rivers. You know, it's a very confident team. I, I did their game earlier this year, and just being around them at their practice facility, you just get the sense that they have a great mix of veteran leadership, but with young blood. And, and that always is a, a scary mix in playoff time. So, I don't think they're going to be intimidated going to Foxborough. I don't think this is a dominant New England football team either uh, compared to years past. And, you know, I really think the Chargers are going to get to the Super Bowl out of the AFC right now. Well, the other AFC game is Indianapolis, who looked pretty good, very good yeah, against the, the Texans, uh, going against the Chiefs. And the Chiefs looked like unbeatable earlier in this year, but then finished 3-3. Three and three. Uh, Where do you see that game going between the uh, Chiefs and the Colts? Yeah, I mean, I think the, that they're going to score a ton of points, and the better defense will eventually make a play and win the game. And as crazy as it is to, to pick against Kansas City in Arrowhead, uh, the better defense is Indianapolis. Uh, you know, I think they're both going to score north of 24 to 30 points, uh, but when it comes time for a stop, I don't see the Chiefs' defense coming up with that big play, even though they're playing at home. I mean, this Colts team has been an incredible story. I saw them a number of times this year. The offense is one thing. To me, Frank Reich is the coach of the year. Uh, Andrew Luck could be the comeback player of the year. But, but I'm more surprised about their defense. Um, again, there's not a household name per se on that defense. Uh, but they play well together. They're well coached. And I, I think that when it comes down to it, Saturday at Arrowhead, that when a, a defense needs to step up, it's going to be the Colts. Isn't that going to be something? I mean, I could be totally wrong, but I think the fifth <laughs> and sixth seeds are going to be in the AFC Championship game, the Chargers and the Colts. And have the AFC, would this be amazing? Have the AFC Championship game in LA. 
which would be pretty interesting with that. And then we get to the NFC with now the Cowboys <laughs> having that a good win against Seattle going at the Rams. So if the Rams would win and Seattle lose, I mean, and New Orleans loses, then the Rams would host the NFC championship game. So you could have that weekend in L.A. both championship games. <laughs> but what do you tell before we get there? What do you think about the Cowboys Rams game? I think it's a great matchup. I think I think it's going to be one of the better games of the weekend. I can't wait to watch it. I thought it was a gutty victory by Dallas yeah, uh, over Seattle on Saturday. Uh, you know, Rams are favored. They're playing at home. We were talking about Sean McVay earlier, uh, but I think that Dallas defense is playing some pretty good football right now. So I would probably tend to lean towards the home team here with the Rams. You know, having a week off. Uh, I think that's a, that's key for a guy like Todd Gurley and. Just you know, to get some of their guys a little bit of rest before uh, before getting out there, I think that week off will really help the Rams in this situation. But you know, I think Dallas is the type of team that's not going to quit. I think they're going to play hard, uh, but I think the Rams will, will pull it out in the end. Um, were you impressed by Dak Prescott's performance? Um, there's been a lot of criticism of the Cowboys, especially him. And uh, I mean, he didn't have the monster game, but he played good enough to win against Russell Wilson. So that was, I mean, it's, it's, he's not, it was like, I thought there was a lot of pressure on him that game to come through because he's sort of showing that he's a quarterback in this league and can be someone for a while. Uh, what do you, what would you think about his performance in the Seattle game? Yeah, I, was, I thought it was good. I mean, I think he's, the type of guy, when you're the Dallas quarterback, right, you're going to take a lot of hits. And, and you saw, and I'm not talking about hits on the field. I'm talking about, you know, <laughs> shots off the field, people criticizing you. And I think that he kind of rode that train a little bit this year. But he makes plays in the clutch. And, you know, he might not throw for 300 yards or run for over 100 yards every game, but he's going to make some tough clutch plays. You saw that in the fourth quarter on Saturday against Seattle. So you know, I like that out of a quarterback. You got to have that little clutch gene. And I think that he might not have it as, as you know, as big as some of the greats, uh, but he has it in him. And you saw that against Seattle. And then we get to the final game and probably on last Sunday, on Sunday night, that was the best game of the day. Um, it's interesting to note that the Ravens and the bears, the two teams with the supposedly best defenses did lose. Uh, but that Eagles bears game, oh, just, just amazing. And Nick Foles performance. Uh, so maybe summarize that game a little bit. And then, and what do you think about the Eagles chances going into new Orleans? I was just two weeks ago at the new Orleans Steeler game. And if there's ever a city that's ready for a Super Bowl, it's new Orleans right now. I mean, they are primed, ready to go and they are confident. And that state at, and Superdome was going to be extremely loud. No, I mean, you know, I'm so hesitant to pick against New England at home and Kansas City at home, but I am. I am not going to pick against New Orleans at home. I just think that they are a totally different team yep. when they play at home. As you said, that place is going to be rocking. I think Philly has had an incredible run just to get in the playoffs and then to pull that one out yesterday was incredible. Uh, but I think this run is going to end down in New Orleans. I just think that, again, having a week off and playing at home, those fans have been waiting a long time for a game like this, and I think it's going to be a tough ask for the Eagles to go down there and, and try to pull out a win. I think it's going to be a great game. I think it'll be a lot closer than when they met in the regular season when the Saints blew them out. I don't expect Philly to get blown out, but I don't think they can keep up with this New Orleans offense in the Superdome. So you teased the fact that you thought it was going to be the Saints and Chargers in the Super Bowl. But so could we have, if that happens, who do you, would you predict to, would win that game? Wow, that's a tough call. I mean, <laughs> I'm pretty high on the Chargers, as you can tell. Um, you know, that game would be, it's in Atlanta, so a little faster surface maybe would help out New Orleans in that situation. But I'm going to stay on this Chargers uh, little bandwagon. I'm a big fan of Philip Rivers. 
I think he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. I know a lot of people don't see it that way. Obviously, a Super Bowl title would, would, would I think, cement him. Uh, I, I think he's in without a Super Bowl title. That's how good of a quarterback I think he is. And you know, I think that, that Anthony Lynn, their head coach, has shown this year that he's not scared to take chances. He's aggressive. I like the way he's managed his team, managed the game. And uh, I, I could I could see that, that that L.A., as weird as that is to say L.A. still instead of San Diego, I could see that L.A. Uh, could prevail in that Super Bowl. But I think it would be a great matchup. And it would be a great storyline with, with Rivers used to be a backup to Breeze, and then and they would potentially meet again in the Super Bowl. So that would be pretty neat, too. That would be a great storyline because people forget. I mean, we know the story here in Miami how Breeze came in for uh, uh, a medical exams, and, and if Nick Saban was the coach. And the question is, if Breeze was going to – if he passed the medical exam in Miami and then stayed, been the, the quarterback at the Dolphins, would Saban have ever left the Dolphins to go to Alabama? So you would never had this run in Alabama. So mm. all these things that – you know the Dolphins Dominoes that all fell from that. Um, we're talking to Andrew Catalan on Ira on Sports. Um, Andrew, before we let you go, I just you've seen so many football games this year. You've, uh, I mean, every week you're doing a different game. Uh, besides the name they talk about, like the Cleveland Browns, what team that didn't make the playoffs is like one of these teams that you saw that wow, if they get everything together, together they're going to be uh, next year in the playoffs or in the hunt for the Super Bowl. Mm, that's a great question. Obviously, I would say Cleveland first. Um, you know, I do the Bills preseason games. I don't know if they're a year away, but they're close. Uh, I think Josh Allen showed that uh, he's going to be a quarterback in this league for a long time. They, they finally have some freedom uh, with their cap space to go out and sign some guys. I think their defense is really good. I think they're well coached, and they have a very good general manager in Brandon Bean. I could see the Bills being one of those teams. And they're the team that, you know, I can't tell if this was a fluke or if it's going to be another down cycle, but Jacksonville, I mean, I think they're going to look a lot different on offense. I think Blake Bortles is gone. Uh, I think they'll get a new off. They already, they will get a new offensive coordinator. So the, the interesting move for me is if Jacksonville gets uh, a pretty good quarterback here this year. You know, I think that they can quickly get back to where they were last year because the defense is still excellent. Um, and I think they have a lot of pieces in place, uh, you know, on defense. It's just fixing that offense. And I, and I don't think it's a big – I mean, yeah, finding a quarterback is a fix. But I don't think they need to do too much else. They had a ton of injuries this year on their offensive side of the football. And I think if they make a couple of changes, that, that Jacksonville could be a team that gets right back in that mix. So I'd say Cleveland won. But beyond that, especially in the AFC, I'd be looking at Buffalo and Jacksonville. And I guess well that that begs the question about Joe Flacco. It is is that is Jacksonville the place where Flacco goes? I mean, just some of these quarterback questions. Did you think Eli will be back for the Giants? Uh, what quarterback movement do you see for next year? Yeah, the guy I'm curious to see where he goes is Teddy Bridgewater, I mean, the backup for the Saints. I know they didn't have a great game Week 17 when he had a chance with them resting Breeze, but I don't really read too much into a Week 17 game that didn't mean anything. I think he's. I think somebody's going to pay him. I think that he's going to be a starting quarterback somewhere in this league. Is it Jacksonville? Uh, is it the Giants? Um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I, I, I think that he's the one guy I'm really focused on. Flacco's gone from Baltimore. Where does he end up? Who gives him a chance? And, you know, being up here not too far away from where the Giants play, I still get the sense just from being out and about, and, and no, no conversation I've had, but just from being out and about that, that Eli is going to be the guy again next year uh, for the Giants. Um, and I think if you look at the quarterback class coming out in the draft, there's not a home run pick 
uh, I think the following years when everyone's loading up for the kid from Oregon and Tua from Alabama. Uh, but but this upcoming draft doesn't look like there's that, you know, certainly not like last year when you had five quarterbacks picked in the first round. So someone's going someone's gonna to go after Flacco. Someone's going to pay Bridgewater. And because of the lack of great quarterback options, I think Eli is still going to be with the Giants. So you're done with football for the year, and now you're starting to do college basketball and for CBS, and then you're also doing golf. Do you also do golf for CBS, correct? That's right. Yeah, I'll be uh, starting up college basketball on my schedule this week, do a couple games each week all over the country, all various conferences. So looking forward to that as we get close to March and uh, the NCAA tournament on CBS. And then, yes, I do some golf for CBS as well. And uh, It was an exciting start to the calendar year yesterday in Hawaii, uh, so I'll keep a close eye on that. So yeah, football's over for me, but uh, I'm still loving it as a fan these next few weeks leading up to the Super Bowl on CBS. Wow, well, fantastic. Well, thanks a lot, Andrew, for coming on. Andrew Catalan, thank you so much for popping by. Ira on sports, always a pleasure having uh, Andrew here. Very informed, and you know he's on the ground. Like you, you know, you said he gets to talk to these OCs and stuff. The, the, a lot of the privileges that we don't get, you know, just being uh, you know outside <laughs> outsiders on the media, as opposed to someone like him that's right there in prime time. We should hop back and talk a little bit about <clears throat> some of the games that we missed. I, um, you know, from the weekend, Indy did look really good, and you know there was never. Halfway through the second quarter, I'm like, there's no way that Houston's going to beat this team. It, it Just to me, they passed the eye test with flying colors over Houston. And that was the only game that was really uh, a little bit interesting to me because I thought, I thought Houston was going to put up a fight there. I thought Houston was going to put up a fight. I think Deshaun Watson had a bad game. I mean, the stats were okay for him, but it was Indy, the first three drives, scores a touchdown. They're up 21-0, yeah. and it seemed like Houston was just – and it was Houston's at home. I think the, I think it was one of those things where there was a lot of pressure. I think Baltimore felt the same thing. When you're a home team and you're losing, there you just feel pressure like – I just have to come back. Like it's like mm. it's there's and I felt like they got tight in that game. Uh, I they also were making a lot of penalties. Uh, I think Frank Reich, the quarter, the uh, coach for the Colts, who was the coach of the Eagles last year, called a great game. Mm. I mean, remember Houston has Clowney and Watt on defense. They have merciless. I mean, they have big name defensive players, and they were all neutralized almost the entire game. Um, and it was uh, just a a great win for the Colts. Uh, the fact that they started the season out so poorly and that Luck was able to come on. I mean, Marlon Mack running for 140 yards. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the end of the season, Mack came on great. He, he could have been the MVP if he ran like that for all 16 games. And he was someone who wasn't drafted in fantasy until the late rounds. And they, the, as someone who was trying to figure out the Colts' running game, nobody knew what was going to happen. But they really developed their offensive line. I mean, just look at some of these teams like the Colts and the Cowboys. The drafting of the offensive line, uh, the, the selections uh, and, and improving of that has really helped their teams tremendously. The fact that Quentin Nelson, you know, I, I knew he had a great season. Amazing rookie rookie season. Um, didn't realize he was first team All Pro. That's a good draft pick as a rookie. You got the best player in his position in the league. So yeah, great drafting. Uh, great drafting by them. And then of course Darius Leonard, who could also be the you know defensive rookie of the year. They really had a great season. What else uh, is your takeaways from this game, Ira? Because like I said, for me, it was over before it even really started. It was over, and I just felt the, the Texas couldn't get the running game together. They had 102 yards rushing, and 85 was through Watson himself. Um, it just seemed like a situation where they just couldn't, they just couldn't get in the game uh, to come back in the game. And, and Watson had a chance there on a fourth down near the end. and he, They went for fourth down a couple times, and he threw some poor passes, whether it was play calling or whatever. A lot of pressure on Bill O'Brien, their coach, who has, does not have a good playoff record. 
but uh, it was it, it was a game that the Colts. It's like the Colts. Have, it's one of those things where the Colts have been playing much better the last few weeks, and they actually came through and, and did great. You're absolutely right. Watson looks sloppy. I mean, there was a certain you know there, there was one over the middle to Hopkins that he threw you know into the ground. There was there was five or six passes that weren't just like not a great pass. They were bad passes. And he, that, he that's, was he was sacked 62 times this year, which is crazy. enormous. When I saw that stat, he was sacked three times and he was knocked down eight times in the game uh, from the Colts defense. And I think that then you know, when you're getting sacked and hit, that's why you're going to miss passes. No, absolutely. Yeah, he 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 was always throwing off his back foot. It just didn't didn't look normal. Um, why don't we slide over to Dallas and Seattle? It's uh, 7:41. Time's always so fast. You're here on Ira on Sports on the True Oldies channel. Uh, Ira, I took Seattle to win it all at uh, 25 to 1 odds, and I was stomped out before uh, before the first round of the playoffs went. This was a weird game, though, and uh, I think uh, Andrew Cattle ended on the, on the head. I think it was a gritty win for Dallas, and I, I didn't think that team had it in him. Well, Dallas did what they had to do, and I think that near the end of the game, it was a third play of the game. It was third and fourteen on the Seattle seventeen um, when they're up twenty-one, uh, up seven, up seventeen, fourteen. Uh, uh, so they're only up three points, and it looked like they were going to kick another field goal up twenty fourteen. And anyone knows who know, you know, Russell Wilson is just like, give me the ball yeah. at the end of the game with a chance, to, and he's going to do it, mm-hmm. and. That touchdown, so it's third and 14, third and 14 on the Seattle 17. I mean, that's a really hard because that you don't, you can't throw down the field because it's a shorter field. Mm-hmm. And when he ran up, he, I think he ran like four, 15, 15 yards to the one and got a first down. And then they were able to get the ball in to go up 24, um, 24, 14. And then, and then when Seattle came back and scored the touchdown to make it 24, 22, then there was no time for, for Seattle to come back and score. Yeah. And that to me, that was, that was the key mode. And, and he, and he, it was a run. I mean, it was something where he took off on the pro and he made a great play and actually avoided two tackles. Uh, so Dak showed that what he did to win the game. Ezekiel Elliott was tremendous. I mean, it seems like he's, 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 how can you say this? He's quietly the best running back in the league besides Gurley and Elliott. Yeah. Like he's now, we're going to see how Gurley does. But I mean, you hear about Lavian Bell, Lavian Bell, Lavian Bell. But Elliott, when you look at his stat line, he had 27 carries for 100 and uh, what is 140 yards, was just an yeah. amazing game. No, he, he was an, another amazing season. Saquon Barkley, I'd put him in that conversation. But he has those three uh, re- really standouts. And you're right, Zeke is. Since his rookie year, he's gotten quieter. He was, you know, he still does the little soup eating thing, which I can't stand. But other than that, I mean, he's he's quietly doing this without much uh, without much fuss there in Dallas. Iron Sports seven forty three True Oldies Channel Chargers and Ravens. I this was a weird one too, and I I think what Andrew said was right. Also, I don't know. I think the Chargers played their best game. It was really weird just how Baltimore looked on offense. I mean, obviously. They they took the world by storm a few weeks ago with with uh, with Jackson. Everyone knew you can't run the ball consistently consistently like that. This was the first time, uh, L.A. or this was the first team to see that twice. L.A. and they were the first team to stop it. So, what was your takeaways from this game? And uh, I don't know. Would you have gone with Flacco at the well, end? Well, I think it was it was one of those things. One of those games where everyone said. By seeing them the second time yep. in like three weeks, it would help. Because if you saw this, like when the service academies or Army plays a team, they're not used to that. Or when Georgia Tech plays a team, people have to get used to it. But if you had to play Georgia Tech two times in three weeks or three times in four, you know, you'd get more used to it. Mm-hmm. And they were right. It just seemed like the Chargers knew. I mean, if you looked at the the, the uh, first few possessions for the Ravens, six plays in a punt, three plays in a punt, four plays in a reception, three plays in a punt. And the key to the Ravens was getting that lead. They had to get the lead and milk the clock and make it a short in the game. But now they're down 12 nothing, and they were struggling. And it was, 
I where I where I was not impressed with the Chargers is that they just settled with field goals. They had four field goals in that first half, and then they scored again. It's just like in times in times when I think they should have scored the touchdowns. I don't think they were very good in the red zone. I know Baltimore's defense is great, but I was just not impressed that I think the this game should have been a total blowout and really forced it. And, then, and all the Ravens almost had a chance. They were coming down at the yeah. end of the game, and and uh, uh, they went three and out, and the Ravens got the ball back with like a couple seconds to go in the game with a chance to tie the game. What did he have? Uh, Jackson minus two yards passing in the third quarter would you have made that switch I mean when you needed a touchdown there I kind of knew that he wasn't going to be able to take them down the field he hadn't done it all day not that you could just throw Flacco in there but I'm sure it was going through the minds of everyone in Baltimore well it was 20 to 3 at the end of the third quarter and I think that's where people thought but this clearly shows I don't know if that I don't know if this was a game for this year or next year whereas they felt like they're going to say Lamar yeah. Jackson is our quarterback that's where we're going to go they didn't want to bring Flacco back they didn't want to do questions in the offseason um, and maybe it just shows you what faith they have in Flacco in terms of as their quarterback uh, I I just it's sort of I mean here's a guy who's the greatest quarterback in the history of the Ravens uh, led them to a Super Bowl yeah. uh, MVP of a Super Bowl and I don't think he was treated I don't know it's hard to say how someone should be treated but it's certainly they did not. That was. <laughs> I would have probably brought him back in the game at twenty three. But then Jackson came down and did actually at the end of the game. And that, and that's that's a criticism I have for the Chargers. Their defense when they need to be stuff uh, tough, they they gave up those two touchdowns. You want to know? Um, speaking about the last game of the weekend, this was when I was looking at the schedule. Mike, how did they not put Dallas and Seattle on, on Sunday night or Sunday afternoon? Just seemed like that'd be what they wrapped it up with. I'm thinking, ah, Philly, Chicago, big markets, but I don't know if this is the game people want to see. It was a great game. You know, it had pretty much everything you wanted. Chicago's defense didn't look like that amazing shutdown defense that we've seen. I mean, 16 points is still great, but they didn't look amazing, and Nick Foles does it again. <laughs> this was a great game to end the weekend on. Well, when the, when the Bears took that lead at 15-10 to 10 with nine minutes to go, you felt like, that was it. And the Eagles went three and out the next time. But then the Bears go three and out. And we talked about this. Sometimes the best defense at the end of the game is the good offense to be able to get a couple first downs. Mm -hmm. Not score a lot of points, but get some first downs. They weren't able to do that. But for Nick Foles to take them down, I mean, those <laughs> it was just great pass after great pass. And then they get down on the first and goal with the two. Sproles goes, gets no gain. Sproles does, runs again, doesn't get a gain. And then on fourth down, to pass to Tate, to go up 16-15 uh, at that point. But then, like... Then the Bears return the, the kickoff 35 yards to Rick Cohn. That was a great kickoff return. And they throw the pass to Allen Robertson. I question when they when they were downing the ball. Like, I hate – I think when you have plenty of time, I don't think you should down the ball. They should have I, – I think that they should have tried another play there because they let them have a 45-yard field goal, but mm. I think it could have been a little closer. I felt like they wasted a down when they when they didn't have to. Um, and then uh, Sparky – Starkey uh, – uh, kicks the ball. Now there's a question whether it's blocked or not, but uh, hits the top of the goalpost, the crossbar, and doesn't fall out. So it was it was such an exciting game. I think it was one of the most watched, they said one of the most watched uh, playoff games in this round, like ever, uh, mm. in terms of the attendance, about the viewership. Uh, but a great win for Philadelphia and a bad win, a bad win for the Bears. And I think a win that Treblitzky played well, but they were waiting for something. That's going to be your quarterback of the future. I think at home, the Bears fans are just dying for a game. So No, I, I felt, I mean, they're going to be dying if they find Cody Parkey out in the parking lot. I'll tell you that much. But um, weird game all around. I, I, I don't think this is such a bad thing for Chicago. I mean, you got, you know, uh, 
rookie coach, second year quarterback. Like I think this was a good season for them, and you know, great defense all year long. Trubisky didn't have to win that many games for him, and maybe that you know, seeing when he finally had to, a little bit tougher than uh, a little bit tougher than it was going to be. It's seven forty nine. Ira on Sports ninety five nine, the True Oldies Channel. Ira, let's take a step back to uh, you know what you were up to these past few weeks because you took in a couple of bowl games. Well. I, uh, we went to the Orange Bowl, and um, that was exciting, Bama, Oklahoma. And I, w- I just thought, I sat in a weird seats there. There's, there's a thing they added in the Orange Bowl this, this year called Terrace. They're called Terrace Seats, and you sit at a table, and you're, they have a fixed chairs, and there's no one blocking view, but they're in the corner. And they're a great bargain because they, like, the 50-yard line seats are really expensive even for a game like this. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really pay that much, and the seats are great. And I heard that the Dolphin Games actually provide food for you, and it was a great angle. No one's standing up. Uh, you're close enough to the field. I like being in that corner, so I thought it was, it was exciting to be at the game. And, and it was it was a weird game that it was everyone was red and white. I went to two bowl games. The mm-hmm. Penn State Kentucky was everyone both teams were blue and white, and at the Oklahoma Alabama mm-hmm. everybody were so it looked like you were at a home game for mm-hmm. somebody. Uh, tell us about about the game itself. I I just think Alabama jumped out to that lead twenty eight nothing. They look sloppy. Oh, as what I predicted, I said it was going to be a route. I mean, Alabama had the possession like ten times. Seven of them were touchdowns, one field goal, two punts. What I didn't like is after they got that huge lead. 28 nothing lead with 10 minutes to go. People were leaving almost the stadium at that time. I just thought that they got sloppy in the second half. Their defense got, they started playing the prevent defense. And Oklahoma never threatened. I mean, they only won by 11, 45-34. But it was, Alabama was on like the one foot line to score a touchdown at the end. So they should have, they could even cover the spread. So <laughs> I, to me, it was a blowout. No one really thought Oklahoma had a chance it was in that game ever. Uh, Kyler Murray was tremendous and he played great. But to his passing, I mean, he was 24 for 27 for 318 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, and Al- but it was just a weird game because of the uh, the second half, really, when Alabama was just up by so many points and they could score at their will, and it just it was a weird game. Speaking of being being up so many points, is what we saw in the Cotton Bowl, Ira. This one, this is one of those things we were talking about, you know, expanding, and then we got the uh, the three seed can't even can't even score a touchdown in that game. That was a little bit uh, of a weird one for me. Tell us about the Cotton Bowl. I just thought it was, I mean, thirty to three. Uh, it was a close in that first half. It was, it, it, and I just think Clemson did not play well. And, and I think this is why I think Alabama's going to win the game tonight. I, I just think Clemson was a really, really sloppy. Um, they only had three points in the first quarter. Um, Notre Dame had their chances. They went down, uh, ten play drive. They got no. They went on. They got a fourth down and didn't score. Didn't get it. Uh, they didn't convert on fourth and four, three on the thirty-four. And then they made a. And then they uh, made a field goal. And uh, uh, but I just think that. It was just, it was just, a, it was, not, and then Clemson makes these big plays. Mm-hmm. So at the they up 20, you know, they were 23 to three. They score all these points there at the end of the, the three, three touchdowns in a row at the end of the first half. Um, anything from the second half? I mean, this game is never even. <laughs> No, <laughs> it's I think one of the least fun games. The good thing it. is that I I was gonna miss the second half because I was driving then too, so I was listening on the radio and I'm like, oh my gosh, if this is a really close game, what I'm gonna do? And I was like happy that it was a blowout because there I'm at the <laughs> Oklahoma game and I'm buying my pins and getting my seats and stuff like that. So it was really great to be able not worried the fact that I'm missing the previous game. No, I would have thought the exact same thing. Um, tell us about the Citrus Bowl. You you said what 14 Penn State bowl games you've been to? I I tell you what, I love going to these games and the Citrus Bowl. They fixed it up. We sat in the club section in the middle is beautiful they have done a great job on that stadium there's no pro team that plays it but uh, the club section is great the Kentucky fans I said the Kentucky section there's a team that is known as one of the greatest basketball programs of all time and their football team is getting better under Mark Stoops and I liked it in a, t- in a time when when you have to predict bowl games look what teams are hungry enough and which teams want to win Kentucky's 
uh, Benny Snell, who is going to declare for the draft, and uh, Josh Allen, there's not the quarterback, but the star defensive lineman. There are two stars. They played in that game. And Kentucky really wanted to win this game. I mean, they blew Penn State out. I mean, Penn State came back and made it made it a game, but it was 27-7. to uh, And uh, Trace McSorley for Penn State uh, led a hit on a broken foot, actually came back and made it 27-21 with four minutes to go. But uh, it, was a, it, it was a good win for Kentucky. It was nice to see a program like that. I mean, the SEC is just loaded. I mean, all these teams that are up and coming, and look, a team like Kentucky that was uh, a doormat for so long yeah. is really on the upswing. All right, Ira, we got to talk about it. The national championship happens tonight, kicks off in about just seven minutes. Right now, Alabama is giving five and a half points. I hope that this is a close one. I hope that we see, we've seen some great national championship games between these two. Uh, why don't you give us a little bit of a background and then we'll get your pick. Um, they played now the the winner of the, the 12 last 12 playoff games. Alabama Clemson would have won 11 of the 12 playoff games. Um, they are 15 and 0 each this year. Saban's won six titles at Bama. He's tied with Bear Bryant and seven overall because he won one at LSU. So if he wins this year, it's going to be seven in 15 years. Uh, Dabo Sweeney. Dabo Sweeney was hired ten years ago at Clemson, whereas Saban was going to be the savior at Alabama. People didn't realize. I mean, Tommy Bowden was f- fired in the middle of the year. That Sweeney came in and, and has developed the second. I and mean, these are the two premier programs in football. The last four years, Alabama's fifty-five and three, and Clemson's fifty-four and four. So they're losses to to each other. So <laughs> it's like, I mean, in two thousand six, two thousand, uh, in two thousand sixteen, uh, they beat Deshaun Watson forty-five forty. Bama won over Clemson, and then the next year, Deshaun Watson and that tremendous game went 35-31. And then last year, Alabama beat Clemson 24-6. So this is the fourth year in a row they they met in the playoffs. Um, Clemson's defensive line, I mean, Christine Wilkins, Farrell, Ferry, uh, Bryant, Thomas. I mean, they literally have, I mean, they're missing their star, Dexter Lawrence, who's the star defensive lineman. And they still have four players that are probably going to be picked in the top two rounds of the draft. Uh, Alabama's offensive line has had issues. And maybe there's people questioning whether Alabama can run on them. Uh, but clearly the difference is that Tua can pass the ball. And uh, um, I think that's going to be a major, major factor of what is. But Clemson last year had Kelly Bryant, a quarterback. And this year they have Trevor Lawrence, 27 touchdowns, four interceptions, 65% passing. This freshman. I mean, people are saying Tua is going to be the number one pick in the draft next year. And two years from now, because fresh, Lawrence is only a freshman, he'll be the number one pick. So this is going to be, I mean, you got just firepower draft picks on both sides. Um, and uh, uh, and all, you got Travis Etienne, you know, someone you look at it for for Clemson, Etienne had 1,500 yards rushing, 8.3 yards a carry. Crazy. Um, Jeremy Judy for uh, Alabama, the wide receiver, makes great play after great plays from Fort Lauderdale, was uh, one of the top play- best players ever to come out of South Florida. Um, and so I'm pumped for this game. Like this is this is a game that is that it's like the, if there's a team that's going to beat Al- uh, Alabama, it's going to be Clemson. They're the one team, and now they're they're facing them. Uh, you know, it's funny. I've, I've got a lot of friends um, in Nashville that are all huge Alabama fans. They went to Alabama, and I usually go to Nashville for New Year's, so I get to see these teams play every year. So I watched the last two games um, in Nashville with Alabama fans and loved both of them. What's your prediction for tonight? You think we have another game for the ages? I think Clemson's defense, they're both they're both weaknesses for the each team is their secondary. And the question is, is that like I didn't like what Oklahoma. I thought I thought Alabama gave up so many passes to Kyler Murray. I didn't like how Sertain played. I I think that's their weakness, the back end. But Clemson's defense, their secondary is terrible. Mm-hmm. And if and I think Tua gets the ball out fast. Tua moves around. Clemson hasn't faced a quarterback like Tua, and their secondary is not. Their defense is great. So you have a great 
tremendous defense that has given up. I mean, it, it's just the stat lines are just tremendous in terms of they, uh, you know, they have 52 sacks. Uh, they lead the nation in, in yards per play of only four yards of play. So no one's getting yards against them. Uh, but I look at the South Carolina game because I watched I watch every team, both the teams I've seen every one of their games. And to me, Bentley for South Carolina, this is only a month, you know, this is like two games ago. Threw 32 for 50 for 510 yards and five touchdowns on that Clemson defense. Now I know South Carolina lost, but if if Bentley mm-hmm. on a six and five South Carolina team that finished six and six can throw for 510 yards, what can Tua do? Yeah, and I think that's where I think. So I do think that Alabama. But what I don't like about Alabama is I think they make they're too sloppy. They make penalties, and I do think they potentially could turn the ball over because their running backs are trying so hard and their receivers. So I could see them making penalties, mm-hmm. uh, penalties, the sloppiness. One thing that we mentioned, I think, in the football game, and thing I'm noticing in these games, these secondary and, and the linebackers have got to make the big interceptions when they can. Mm-hmm. How many times do you see in these games where the ball's up there for someone to catch and they're like, oh, they knock it down, <laughs> but if they get it, they run it in for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the changing point. And I think that if Clemson can make those plays, like we joke about years ago, I know my listeners probably aren't old enough, but Larry Brown for the Dallas Cowboys, once when the Steelers played the Cowboys in the World Series, was the MVP of the Super Bowl. And no one would never guess that. No. And the reason is, is because Neil O'Donnell was the quarterback of the Steelers, and Neil O'Donnell threw, threw two balls to Larry Brown, and he made two big interceptions. And people joke, they go, how can you give it to him? Well, he made those interceptions. Mm. Those are big-time plays, like Malcolm Butler did against Seattle. Yeah. And I think that in a game like this, I'm just looking for which of these defensive linebackers, secondary, even a defensive lineman when the ball's up in the air and it's being deflected, who's going to come up with these games? Because I think the turnover's do matter and if Alabama has four turnovers and Clemson has one then Alabama's going to lose this game and I think Clemson I think you're going to look at these players and say oh well that was a great play they knocked it down no but you're going to look and these the thing is that if you get an interception you also can return it for a touchdown because their their defenses are so fast and quick um and Alabama if I could pick a team that's probably and you saw what Miami was able to do in football Miami college football team mm-hmm. on those with a turnover chain and everything I think that Alabama's defense is going to play great I think they're going to force Lawrence into some mistakes and I think they're going to be dominant I think two is going to have a game. So I don't think it's going to be close. The line is five and a half. I do think Alabama win by two touchdowns. Really? Going on the record here on Ira on Sports, there is your pick for tonight's national championship game. Kicks off in just about a minute. Um, speaking about championships, if it was up to you, we'd be seeing the Dukies uh, here at the, end of the, uh, at the end of the NCAA tournament. And the way they're playing, I it's not going to surprise me. Oh, I mean, I know that we're almost done with football. But when Duke is on, they play Tuesday night against Wake Forest. Watch them play. I have now that Zion Williamson I is um he's the best college basketball player I've ever seen in terms of being a freshman. Now I think there's been seniors that are better but he is fast as I've, I've said the same thing and I'm saying it again but as someone who's expecting him to be great and he is great every game they play Clemson uh, this week on Saturday night while wow, the same and and I I am just so impressed with this Duke team. I am so impressed with Zion Williamson. They are a, a joy to watch. I'm, and even now they're and now they're finding Jack White to shoot threes. Uh, they look completely unbeaten. I know Gonzaga beat them, and I think now that probably was a good lesson for Duke to lose a game like to lose to Gonzaga because they were. But oh, Zion Williamson, I mean, he's just so much fun to watch. And uh, so you got a couple good months of college basketball to watch. Um, going, you know, from a team that uh, is always good and now have another good run. What about a team that's been really good the past few years, but they just don't look like the same. I'm talking about the Golden State Warriors. This is just, 
I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Steph Curry doesn't look the same on the court. What do you think here, Ira? This I'd be a little bit worried if I'm a Golden State fan. Well, on Christmas, they they got blown out by the Lakers. Even LeBron got hurt. Uh, they lose to Houston in overtime. If anyone stepped up and watched that game, that was tremendous. Uh, I think you're. I just think they're not that excited this year. I think they've lost a lot of their bench. But it's all going to change. DeMarcus Cousins is coming back. And the thing about DeMarcus Cousins, when they sign him, they're like, oh, they're this great team, and they just added this extra little piece. But it's sometimes this extra little piece is going to make a big difference on this team, and I think it's going to motivate them, and I, I think the Warriors. And, and we'll start talking about basketball soon and, and, and next week when, we have, when we're done with football season. But um, it'll be interesting. It's a, very, uh, it's a much more competitive NBA year than people thought it was going to be. And some teams that you haven't heard about, like Milwaukee that is now leading the East, and some players now are – there's some players that you're waiting to step up that are become to take the league on their shoulders is watching. So uh, it's going to be great. I, I can't wait, wait to talk about basketball, but this is certainly tonight's the Bama Clemson game. We have next weekend the NFL. Uh, so it's it's a great uh, last month of the season for football. Before we wrap it up, the biggest enigma in all of sports has to be the Miami Heat. They're at 500 now. They're typically up. You know, the past few years, that's what they are. They're a 500 team ever since uh, LeBron left. They had a pretty good December. And they get smoked by one of the worst teams in the league last night against Atlanta. So I have no idea what to get what getting from this team night in and night out. I well, they're nineteen and nineteen, and they look like they're the sixth seed. And I think they're going to. There's five teams in the East, um, and they're going to be the sixth seed. I think they're good enough to beat Charlotte and, and Detroit and those teams. Um, but it's just I don't I don't know where they're at at being the sixth seed. They I just it's just I I'd be shocked if they pass Philadelphia, Indiana, Toronto, Boston. I, I just don't see them even jumping up into or. or into one of those top five seeds. I have to agree with you completely. Hey, let's have a great game tonight between Alabama and Clemson. Ira's on the record. He thinks it's a two-score game from Alabama. I want to thank Andrew Catalan, CBS Sports play-by-play announcer for stopping by. On behalf of Ira, I'm Mike. Let's talk next Monday night. Ira on Sports.